I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to the Load Management Podcast. Why? I don't know. What's going on, everybody? It's your man, Chops. New episode of the Load Management Podcast. I'm live in Cleveland, Ohio. Yes, I finally made the trek back home to the land of winners and Super Bowl champions. Well, that's a lie, but uh, NBA champions and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you will notice that this is Wednesday that this podcast is coming out. Usually we come out on Tuesdays, but because of the company-wide complex blackout in support of all the protesters and everything that happened over the weekend in the wake of the horrible, horrible murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, we are dropping on Wednesday. So here we are. Um, I am joined by my man Adam. As always, we have Zion with us, and we have a very special guest joining us, Pierce Simpson, our complex colleague, live from Los Angeles. Pierce, what's going on? Adam, what's going on? Zion, hello, my friend. Fellas, fellas, hanging in there. How y'all holding up? It's uh, it's definitely a weird time, and I think we want to hear from you guys. Like, I think that's the most important thing. Obviously, me and me and Adam are too too. White we're two, males we're two who, white guys, yeah. We have a very yeah. different perspective on what's gone down and everything <laughs> right. that has happened over the last four, five, six days of, of protest affects mm-hmm. us very differently. Uh, we yeah. are not immune to the hurt and the pain and the anger and the frustration of how shit hasn't changed. But mm-hmm. this affects you guys immeasurably differently than Chops and I. So we kind of want to just have an open forum of, of what we've all been feeling, but specifically what you guys are feeling and, and just kind of how we... I guess, wade through this really weird and shitty times in America that seemingly doesn't change despite the fact that the years go by. Right. Um, I think I think a lot of it is like kind of how you, you touched on. It's just kind of the here we go again. Like, again, this is how it's going. And when you see the rhetoric start to come out about, for instance, from the Minneapolis um, justice system saying that there's evidence that may support not providing criminal charges to the case. It's just like we we're here again, you know? So it's a lot of frustration, a lot of anger, um, a lot of having to continue to push forward in the midst of trauma and pain. And um, as, as a black man, as a, as a black American citizen, oftentimes you find yourself conflicted because you want to watch the news. You want to be able to provide a platform, be able to say the injustices that are happening. But at the same time, you know, that's a lot of anguish to have to see all the time. And sometimes you just want to disconnect and get away from it. But then you feel conflicted because you're like, am I not providing my voice? Am I not providing my resources to the injustices that are happening? And I'm sure Zion, you can kind of feel that similar way where it's just like, it's just exhausting. It's emotionally exhausting. Yeah, I mean, piggybacking off of that, it's, uh, it hurt me. It hurt me a lot. Yep. Um, it took me a while to even just like kind of react to it because – it's, it's like you said, we're back to square one um, as a black man or a young black man in, in this country. It frightens me. It frightens me for the future. Uh, it frightens, frightens me now and frightens like the next generation because I don't know what what happened the past, what it was, five years, five years since Eric Garner and uh, everything that's happened since. It's just like we're, we're always going back to square one and like. For me personally, I, I just don't know what what we can do uh, as the black community. What we more we can do to, you know, push this push push this forward and actually progress because uh, we've done the protests, we've done the marching, we've we've uh, we've vouched for this for years, for fifty years, for a hundred years. This is it's been a constant, and nothing has changed. And that's that's what just scares me as um, a young black male, um, but. You know, we're gonna keep fighting. That's, that's the only thing we can do is keep fighting for um, what we believe in and, and what's right. And hopefully, someday is gonna change. Absolutely, I, I think a lot of times having to feel like to be oppressed and then to have to have the burden of trying to change that oppression 
is uh, very difficult and um, in many ways unrealistic. Uh, I've been in similar situations where I've been here and people have asked me, it's like, how do we change this? Um, I can't change it. Zion can't change it. You have to talk to the people that are um, contributing to racism, the people that are choosing to remain silent, to not say anything and, um, you know, bring it to sports. And this is a sports podcast. I'm very disappointed in some of the statements that have been provided by the teams. Um, some of the silence that, that, that we've seen from players, from organizations. Um, it's not something that you want to see. Like, for instance, today, I mean, all y'all know I'm a, a lifelong Dallas Mavericks fan. I used to go to Reunion Arena. I used to root for Eric Strickland or Robert Pack or the, the older Mavericks, just lifelong. But the statement they put out today to say that history goes in, in phases and to make a pun out of racism that's going on in this country is absurd. And to see organizations, to see sports franchises, to see just people in general tiptoeing around racism is very alarming. And I mean, pig- piggybacking over that, I mean, we saw it with the if we if we want to just jump straight into it, we saw it with the NFL. I mean, yeah, just the, that that pathetic statement they put out didn't even mention the keywords. I got that's a bit the biggest problem for me is a lot of people just ignoring the 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 reality of what happened. And they're just, you know, glossing over it and trying to uh, to uh, save themselves from from jumping on the right side, which is which is frightening because, like, you're still worried about the monetary value. You're still worried about what you're gaining from this. You're not worrying about actually changing, you know, the country. Yeah. And, and what does it say about you that you're not choosing, but just in, in general, when you're afraid to upset racists? Right. What, what does it say about you as a business, as a corporation, as an individual, when you're afraid to ruffle the feathers of, of racists and hold people accountable? That's crazy to me. And like you said, Zion, there's people that are releasing statements that are just it's becoming checkpoints right now and pandering. Because if you don't mention police brutality, you don't mention George Floyd or Breonna Taylor or Ahmaud Aubrey, or you don't mention racism. What are you doing? You're just trying to save face and you're just putting out a PR statement. And that NFL statement was just, it was crazy because we've seen the recent history of blackballing Colin Kaepernick, the fact that you have uh, a disproportionate amount of African-American head coaches and executives in this very league. You are trying to incentivize teams to even give minority candidates an opportunity to interview via draft picks. It's like, what are you doing? You know, it's just a slap in the face to see that statement come out. And, um, you know, it, it, it just... It just seemed like a blatant lie from the NFL's part. I think there were a lot of statements uh, put out by teams um, that did take the right tone. Uh, certainly in the NBA circles, there were more teams that think that, you know, for instance, I thought what Doc Rich put out was really good. I thought some other teams put out some really strong statements. We saw, you know, Carl Anthony Towns um, show up to the protest and stuff like that. And thankfully, you know, what the NFL put out obviously has been ridiculed for good reason. And some other teams like the football team in Washington hasn't chimed in because if they did, holy shit, they would get royally dunked on as they should. So, um, you know, it's it's there have been some very disappointing statements put out. But I think I think also, you know, not to not to be completely down during this podcast, but there also been have in the wake of such awful tragedy and what we've seen, like some uplifting, I guess, messages of hope and inspiration, even though it's very tough to find them. And, you know, Steven Jackson, who's a friend of ours here at Complex Sports, who's been really good to us. I mean, the strength he showed um, yep. has been phenomenal with one of his best friends, his twins, he called them, um, you know, yep. suffering, um, you know, the murder at the hands of the police. And again, what we saw with the Minneapolis I'm sorry, the Minnesota Timberwolves and them showing up. So, I mean, there have been, despite the fact there have been a lot of fumbles and, and a lot of tripping of these statements and people putting out, you know, words for the sake of putting out words, there have been some uplifting, I think, um, episodes and examples of guys stepping up to the plate and really saying some powerful things. Oh, absolutely. Like guys like Steve Nash are, you know, uh, some of the coaches throughout the league that have continuously uh, been allies, excuse me, and spoken up on injustices, whether it's Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, I believe the NBA is, crafted a, a bit of a coalition of uh, NBA coaches and things like that to um, continue to shed light on this. But it it can't just go for these two weeks and then we don't hear anything else. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? As much mm-hmm. as as progressive as the NBA is, as much as I love the NBA, um, there is an issue of diversity when it comes to executives and head coaches. There's no denying that. Um, we have that same issue in the NFL. We have that same issue in college football. So I, I think that while it's great in the moment to – to bring light 
to make your statement be known to say that you're an ally, you have to back those words with actions going forward. Because if you just choose to make a statement now and don't do anything going forward, that's just lip service. Speaking of Steven Jackson, because I thought that his speech at, <clears throat> at the rally on Friday, I believe, <clears throat> um, when Kat was there, which can we just stop for one second and just the amount of pain that Carl Anthony Towns has gone through Sure. with this, but his mother passing recently from COVID-19, like yeah. I can't even imagine what he's going through. And he was up there supporting Steven Jackson, supporting his city calling for justice. I just thought that was a very, a very, you know, powerful thing to see cat like that. But Steven Jackson's comments about his, his white brothers being by him, but if they're not willing to speak up with him, then they mean nothing to him. And I thought that was very powerful for someone in my position who, like Adam said, we frankly do not understand as much as we would like to, we do not understand what you guys and what black Americans and black citizens go through on a daily basis with the police, because you guys are treated in a way that is unjust and unfair. And it's been like that forever. And whether it be Ferguson or, or, or just so many countless times that this has happened. And Pierce, like you said, it's not enough for a statement. And then two weeks later to forget about it. Yeah. It's, it needs to be continued action. And that's what I think Steven Jackson was really talking about because it's not it's not enough just to say, Hey, I'm I'm supporting this right now. It has to be continued support because that's the only way that change is gonna come. And like you said, change has to come from the other side. Change has to come from 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 speaking out about people who are doing this. Yeah. And and, yep. and it's just a tough it's a tough thing to to contextualize and and you know what I I thank you guys so much for for just speaking up on this because I I can't even imagine the amount of pain that you guys are having to deal with right now. No, and we and we appreciate you and and like you guys mentioned, um, and we appreciate. Uh, I know Zion, I'm speaking for you, but I'm sure you agree that uh, we appreciate for you to give us a voice to speak on this issue, to speak on this topic, and not silence that. I think another thing that that angers the black community right now is the fact that we are currently in a global pandemic that is disproportionately killing people of color. And we've been in our houses for three months and we've been told to, to quarantine and to avoid large crowds. But when we get in situations where people that look like us are being murdered at the hands of police and we have to go out in those crowds and to those in protest, and our lives in danger, just from a health standpoint, from the pandemic, and then getting tear gassed and arrested it's just another slap in the face. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just uh, collectively, it's just a lot to take in, a lot to process, a lot to even understand. And um, just seeing some of the rhetoric that's been said over the past 48 to 72 hours is ridiculous. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. For Dick Vitale to say, OMG, <laughs> le- legit, OMG, the world needs another Dar- Dr. Martin Luther King is just is incredibly toned up. And, yes. and it just disregards the history that we've seen throughout the United States, the history of the fact that you have these coaches, you have these organizations quick to quote Martin Luther King, but some of these states didn't even want to honor Dr. Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King's legacy and give him a national holiday. Some of these organizations voted against that. Out of touch. White people love nothing more than quoting Martin Luther King. It's it's crazy. It makes no sense to me. I, I really don't understand that. And it's just very, it's just, it gets me really upset when people just choose to do that. When I'm yeah. just saying, like, when I'm thinking to myself, this country was not necessarily the biggest fan or advocate of Dr. Martin Luther King when he was alive as well. I saw it. Sean Sotaro, our colleague at Complex, who writes for the music uh, channel, who all the six nine stuff. He shared a poll from I can't remember the but a Memphis. I think a Memphis newspaper had a poll from the time of how favorable Martin Luther King was, and yeah. it was it, it was it, it if if he wasn't more disfavorable in the public's eye than favorable it was very close so Pierce, you're correct it's it's not like when martin luther king was was peacefully protesting and, and doing all this that he was accepted for it like people would like white people like dick vitale would like you to think that he was you know i mean yeah and, like you have to look in american history in a five-year span in the 60s right you had 
leaders that were open and talking about civil rights and trying to uplift the African-American community. And in those five years, many of those were assassinated. JFK, 1963, assassinated. Mega Evers, 1965, assassinated in his own driveway. 1965, Mar Malcolm X, assassinated. 68, RFK, assassinated. To 68 again, MLK, assassinated. So it's like we can, you can, in these moments, you can try to say where the black leaders, where are the people that are trying, that can bring restorative justice, if that's what you feel like the case may be. But then don't disregard the things that have happened in American history. And I think that's why oftentimes, I know me and Zion have said it on, on Twitter and um, my family and I have discussed it behind the scenes, but it's, it's so important when you see black quarterbacks or black head coaches or people in powerful positions in these sports leagues thriving and given access and given resources to really succeed because that's very important. That continues to increase the likelihood that other people of color will be able to get those jobs and get those positions and be able to succeed in those moments. So when I see a guy like Bill Polian continue to shit on Lamar Jackson and you look back at his track record and he also shit on Cam Newton, I can't ignore that. I can't ignore that at all. I can't ignore when Dan Orlowski calls Dane Lillard a spoiled and entitled brat. Okay. You can say that you didn't mean that in that particular fashion, that you just meant it strictly on the court. But those are nuances. Those are little words and buzzwords that I know I listen to and I'm just like, okay, I don't like that. I know Zion here is sitting is like, mm, that that seems, I don't like that. That seemed like that crossed the line between just sports and went to something different. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times sports mirrors life and mirrors what we see in society. And so, you know, we really have to just like focus and address racism straight on instead of tiptoeing and uh, tiptoeing around. We can't do that. I think I piggyback. My bad. Go ahead, John. Go ahead. Piggybacking off of that, like, uh, like you said with Lamar Jackson, like now people wonder why no, me even personally on the complex <laughs> sports page, why I push the Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson uh, beating the odds because this is exactly why, because this country has put this image upon black people that we're not, we're supposed to stick to our stereotypes. So when yep. these guys are breaking the stereotypes, we have to glorify them. We have to push that out because we have to inspire the next ones coming up. Yeah, because like you said, Zion, it continues to be a microcosm of just society in general. Oftentimes, people perceive the quarterback position to be the smartest position on the field. And in many ways, in 2020, that's still accurate. But they felt that African-Americans couldn't thrive in that position because they might have not had the aptitude to be able to be successful in that position. The fact that a guy like Warren Moon can be just hands down one of the most talented quarterbacks from a physical standpoint and had to spend time in the Canadian football league because people deemed that he wasn't good enough to play in the NFL. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? So, and even now, like when people perceive Dwayne Haskins to be a mobile quarterback, have you seen Dwayne Haskins run? He's not mobile. He's whatsoever. not mobile. He is exactly. not mobile. But you're bringing stereotypes into another person. And that's just how that, that's how things continue to uh, perpetuate themselves in American culture as it pertains to African-Americans. And that let, shit gets tiring. Let me ask this, and not to get too loaded on it, because I think mm -hmm. it's, this is a very good, because this is a sports podcast, and I'm not, we're, ne we're never going to stick to sports. I'm not, that's not where we're going to have, we're going to have a real discussion. We appreciate, and we appreciate you for that. We're, we're, we're going to have a real discussion. The NFL season is going to start in how a couple of months. Mm-hmm. There's still going to be people, and in my, I don't want to get too promotional. Lamar Jackson is on this podcast, not this one. In the coming weeks, we have an episode of Lamar coming out. Very good mm -hmm. conversation. He talked about his haters and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, it was recorded before everything kind of popped off. It was supposed to drop this week. That's why we pushed it. But people are still going to talk about Lamar Jackson in that way. And I think that that's a big issue. Mm -hmm. the, 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 like you said, Pierce, this is going to – like people I feel are, are going to get comfortable again and think that they can speak on Lamar Jackson in those, with those little subtle ways yeah. of saying things, you know, like, yeah. so I think, I think that it's important for sports media in general to try and figure out something in a, in a way to, 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 to get to this. That's been a problem for years. You brought up Warren moon. It's been a problem. Yeah. Lamar yeah. Jackson is still someone's still going to say Taysom Hill is better than Lamar Jackson when the season starts. 
Someone sure. just said that. And like, where does that really come from? Like, what, let's be honest. Like, who would actually say that Taysom Hill, you'd rather have Taysom Hill than, than Lamar Jackson? Let's let's be real about why someone is saying that. You know? Well, we, I think yeah. I think Chops and Pierce take take over when I'm done making the statement, yes. but I think it goes back to what you kind of said a little bit earlier, Pierce, where it's like, you know, if if you're a racist, unfortunately, nothing's probably gonna change for you if, you know, after what's gone down this weekend. Like it may yeah. even just further inflame stuff. And and, you know, true people's colors if they keep using these, you know, buzzwords or don't see the fact that these their language um can offend and is off putting to a you know a, a major segment of the sports world, like you need to pay attention. But if you're if you're a racist, you're probably still gonna be a racist going forward. Think think about it like this, right? There are GMs that have been willing to risk their livelihood, risk what they have built in their careers to draft quarterbacks or players that fit a certain aesthetic that they're looking for. That same thing manifested itself in the Lamar Jackson draft. There were people saying that he needed to change his position and go to quarterback or slot receiver or receiver in general. When I saw this man single-handedly destroy the Florida State University football pro. They have not been the same since that game <laughs> when he went off. Lamar Jackson they, ended the Seminoles. They have not been the same since then. And Dabo Sweeney would tell you that in his recent run of success, that was probably the most frightening player that he ever played against. So it's like, at a certain point, you have to acknowledge the prejudices that we have uh, in these leagues because it manifests in the coaches that are being hired or not hired, the coaches that are able to accelerate up the pipeline. Joe Judge, no disrespect. I'm sure that guy has an incredible football mind. A lot of the powerful minds in the game respect him. But how was he able to skip the line over Eric Bieniemy to become the head coach of the New York Giants? How does that happen? How does that happen? You know what I'm saying? Like, how does how does Cliff Kingsbury go from Texas Tech, where he didn't necessarily have a winning record, to become the head coach for the Arizona Cardinals? Now, he's doing a great job. I'm excited to see what they do in year two with Kyler Murray. But those things where you just skip the line and you're able to allow your privileges to showcase itself. Those are the issues that we tend to have. Those are the issues that continue to perpetuate themselves, and it becomes exhausting. And it's, then it just defeats you. It's funny you bring up Joe Judge because it's like people held the Andy Reid thing against uh, Eric Bieniemy. How come Joe Judge didn't get Bill Belichick held against him? That's the greatest coach of all time. If you're going to hold a head coach against someone on their staff for yeah. being the guy – and I'm not like you said, nothing against Joe Judge. Like it's clear that NFL has a hiring problem. Um, sure. It has a I, racial problem. We yes, said we, yes, we did yes. we did our live stream for four and a half hours at the draft. Co- shout out to Couch Classics. Shout out to Couch Classics. <laughs> ESPN flaunted and promoted black trauma. They showed it. They showcased it. They put it on. That was such a weird four hours. It was, it was inappropriate. It wasn't necessary. It didn't necessarily. Sh- if you're trying to shed light on draft prospects personality that's not the way to do it is to mm-hmm. showcase the one of the worst things in my life but then you juxtapose that with every coach that they showed on the coaches cam or the executive cam they didn't look anything like the players that were being drafted or that were coming into the league mm-hmm. and you know back to those statements earlier it's like this right university of texas released a statement over the weekend where they said burnt orange burnt orange unites us what <laughs> burnt orange unites us you gladly took an African-American's $3 million donation to Kevin Durant, right? I only know one orange person in America, and he sure is fucking yeah, and, and unite and nobody and right a, now. He's in a bunker right now. <laughs> yeah, that out. motherfucker ain't doing shit. So yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to hear about no burnt orange. Yeah, so it's like, don't play both sides of the fence. Don't try to appease racists and, not, and tiptoe around the issue when you'll gladly, you know, when you'll gladly build your brand and your platform off the backs of black athletes. That's just the that's just the truth of it. And if that truth makes you uncomfortable, then you have to look in the mirror. And if you feel like you have to always say keep it about sports and you deem racism as politics, that says a lot about you. I think coming from the perspective where just white people I've talked to, they they want the status quo. And that's the problem. They a lot of people I saw on my Twitter timeline, oh, I hope these protests don't get out of hand. You didn't want them to get out of hand because you cared about people getting shot with rubber bullets or going to prison or jail. You didn't want them to get out of hand because you didn't want the inconvenience of your Starbucks getting shut down. Let's right. be real. And, and, right. people, and people ask me like, oh, you're condoning looting? No. As a white person, I'm not going to tell people how to react to 
black people getting murdered by the police over and over again. It's not my place to say how some pe- some people should deal with those issues. And yeah. that's what I tried to tell people. I'm like, it's not our place to do that, okay? So we need uh-huh. to support. That's the, the When this episode is done, we're going to go through a bunch of donations you guys can make, bail yeah. donations, all this kind of stuff to, to support people because that's what we need to do right now. And yeah. not to get too off base, but when talking about football and when talking about all this, we – cannot not talk about Colin Kaepernick. Right. Uh, the uh, uh, old NFL publicist wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post, I think, saying someone should have signed Colin Kaepernick and the Vikings should sign him right now. Obviously, that won't fix anything. Like him getting signed right now wouldn't magically make this all go away. That's not like there's no, there's no magic bullet to fix all of this. But when thinking about Colin Kaepernick now, it's just so crazy to me that People got upset that he peacefully protested by taking a knee. Yeah. And and now all this is coming on and people are like, oh, we don't like the way you're protesting this either. Well, they tried it the other way and you guys didn't fucking like it. So what do you want yeah. to do? I, I think it's like we mentioned earlier when I mentioned the Mitchell Trubisky thing. Um, NFL thrives on optics. Mm-hmm. They really only care about optics. And the fact that Colin Kaepernick was not able, has yet to be able to get a job when you see quarterbacks like, Mike Glennon, Josh Johnson, uh, Bucky Hodges, get get jobs and play games when a guy that played in the Super Bowl and was one fade pass away from getting the San Francisco 49ers a Super Bowl victory, the fact that he's not had a job because he's peacefully protesting is crazy. And the fact that a lot of those same people that went against his protests and were very adamant about him doing the wrong things on those Sunday mornings or Sunday afternoons, excuse me, are coming out now saying, oh, he was right. Come on now. Like, that's that's bullshit. It's bullshit. Yes. Bullshit. And I'm just curious. I wish a lot more NFL players would come out and say something. I've kind of been a bit disappointed at the lack of uh, conversation from a from a holistic standpoint of NFL players. But that doesn't surprise me, considering how the league has gone about things in receivers. Let's talk about looking to athletes for these types of statements, because I don't want to say I understand why they wouldn't, but a lot of these athletes speak and they, and they, they, it seems very misinformed, you know, I agree. It's a slippery slope. It's a slippery. So like, I don't want to say that anybody shouldn't speak out, but I think it's very interesting. Celebrity worship in general, when these things happen, is fucking crazy. Like, like, well, that's a symptom of our society. They ain't going to change also, which is sad. Like people, I'm trying to think of an example it's just like someone will put out a statement and you're like, why are like, like a real housewife in Atlanta put or orange County puts out a statement and you're like, but my thing is why the fuck are we expecting some profound, like the, like from reality TV stars, but also you, you know? can counter that shots by saying, why are we expecting anything profound from, you know, some certain athletes? And I'm trying to put down athletes as, as they're idiotic. But again, it's like the celebrity worship where we yeah. expect, you know, these grand statements. And there's a few, like there's one that comes to mind. Well, not even one. There's multiple that come to mind from athletes where it's like, you know, they, you know, express um, certain emotions, but, you know, I saw plenty of statements just talked about, you know, the power of prayer. I'm not, I'm not trying to get religious and, and down and put down religion, but like there were plenty of people that talked about the power of prayer of fixing things, but didn't actually address the situ- the issues that are at hand of why things have been yes. so crazy and fucked up and why there have been these massive protests. So, again, it's this massive tone deafness throughout Yep. Not throughout sports, but large part of these athletes that, you know, we do turn to, you want to hear from, but at the same time, it's so often get disappointed by what they have to say. Yeah, it, it gets to a point where um, it's sad because, yeah, it's like. And I guess they felt the need to say something, but like you didn't really say anything. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It's No, I, I completely agree where sometimes it comes across as tone deaf and in an ironic way it comes across as, as privilege that you can sit in your position and just say, well, you know, We'll just pray when you need actions to go with those prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's also not fair to athletes that we tend to hold them to a higher standard with their statement rather than the president of the United States. And that's also something that we <laughs> I mean, that's an entirely different fucking you know topic. What I'm saying? Like that. Yes. Like, yeah, I mean, the, low, yeah. the lowest goddamn bar possible. Yeah, it's not fair that we have to hold Odell Beckham Jr. to a higher standard than the president of the United States. But also Odell has to understand that his platform is, oh, is huge. He can't I, just say any and everything. I think Odell is a good, a good statement to look at with this because Odell had a series of tweets. I think you want to assume he everybody means well, you know, 
it's just, but that's, it comes to it where you're like, like saying violence only causes more violence. Like, I, yeah. it's just like when you, when you get to that part of it and it's like, and it like for who me, who am I to judge a black athlete put on a statement, but it's just like, you, you we, can sort of understand why someone would be hesitant to put out a statement like Adam said. My, my, my response to that is you can't, we obviously they're, they're athletes and uh, they have their platforms, but like, especially for black athletes, they're human beings and they're hurt just like us. Mm-hmm. Like LeBron James is hurt. Odell Beckham Jr. is hurt just like us. So like even they're, when they're not, especially putting out PR statements and they're just tweeting with their emotions, you have to take that into account too and 100%. give them the benefit of the doubt because they're not politicians. They're not, they're not government officials. Like they're, they're not all the way informed as we are, as, as, as you expect from someone like you expect a statement from yeah. they're human beings and they're feeling the same pain that we're feeling. So I think we, we give, we're, we're putting, we too mu- put too much stock into giving, uh, analyzing celebrities statements. Like, we have to realize that they're human too. Completely agree, Zion. Completely agree. And very well said. Very, very well said. Um, just thinking last night, it was it was kind of disheartening to think that we sat here collectively every Sunday for five weeks and we watched the last dance documentary about a black man born in Brooklyn that grew up in North Carolina. And oftentimes we feel like success can transcend race, that his success um may take away from what he may feel as a black man, but in the way that you celebrated his athletic accomplishments, you also have to shed light on the things that may oppress him and oppress people that look like him. And it's been very disheartening to see that the same conversations that we had on Sundays for the past five weeks um, surrounding that documentary and the black faces that were in that documentary. But when it comes to speak up on the oppression and the injustices that are affecting people that look like them, it's it's a lot of silence. It's a lot of people not so, speaking up. So let me ask you guys this very serious question. And Chops, I don't want to speak for you, but I had this conversation with a few people over the weekend from friends back in New York. And I had and also talked to Ryan Hollins, who's a friend of Complex Sports. And you guys probably know from ESPN and everything like that. But what is the best way for, again, people like a white guy like myself and Chops, what is the best way to show support for what you guys are feeling and what is going on? Is it just simply a donation? Is it is it posting on social media? Like, what is the best way for us to support and amplify the frustration, the anger, and the hurt you guys are feeling. It's what you're doing right now. Is is you're giving us a voice. You're giving us a platform to say something. Giving us a platform to acknowledge what we're feeling. Um, you guys could have easily just kept talking about sports, talked about something that was just kept it pushing, not said anything. But the fact that you devoted a whole episode to bring me on and to have Zion here to talk about these issues. Those are the things that are important. Those are the things. Those are putting actions with your words. And in addition to like the donations, whatever, but you're putting actions with your words and allowing us to speak up on the issues that are affecting us and not being afraid of angering people that have racist agendas that be a part of the family that you didn't know existed. You know what I'm saying? But the fact that you're giving us a platform to speak and not silencing our voices is important. One thing I I do want to add to that is I don't think we should have to ask you guys what we need to do. Like, I think it needs to be, and not to put you down, Adam, for that, because I have seen that a lot. Um, I think it needs to be, I think for me, it's abundantly clear the support that we need to give. And I think, like, I don't want to make it seem like this is a special occasion. Pierce, you are welcome on this podcast. Any episode you want to come on and speak about this. I don't want people to think that, oh, you know, you guys rolled out Pierce or something. No, you have a perspective. And what was very touching to me, Pierce, and was very important to me, you put up an IG, you're from Texas, George Floyd's from Texas, Steven Jackson from Texas. You mm-hmm. talked about how you grew up with people that reminded you of George Floyd, who, mm-hmm. and who, looking back, I'm glad that we're all getting to learn about George Floyd's legacy because it seemed like he lives a very, inter- this man was on DJ Screw Tapes. I learned, I was listening to, like, like, that's a very interesting life and it sucks so fucking bad that we were introduced to his legacy and his life in this fucking manner. Yeah. And... Like, like we said, like, I feel so bad for Steven Jackson for having to go through this. They were extremely close. But Pierce, you put up the thing. This reminded you of people you grew up with, people you were around from, you know, Texas and in, in your environment. So it's just that would that speak on that a little bit, because that, that was very informative to me to see you talk about that. Yeah, I, I think sometimes people feel like 
Yeah, it just it just reminded me of people that I grew up with. It reminded me of people that I know, people that I love, people that I, I hold dear to me, I hold close. And I also realized that a situation could go left and I can be George Floyd. You know, I go back home to Texas and I get fearful of what I may have in the car or what I if I got a tail light out or if I'm you know, it's not fair that my father had to teach my brother and I growing up that, hey, you shouldn't drive in certain neighborhoods after this certain time because chances are you're going to get pulled over and you're going to get hassled. He had to teach me that. And I had that conversation with him over the weekend that that's not fair. And what also isn't fair is that if I, if I, when I have children and I have a black son, that I'm going to have to teach him the same thing, that I'm going to have to explain to him the same thing. You know, my father was born in 1962. A portion of his life, he had to ride on the back of the bus. That's one generation for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's not, not a distant that, thing. It's not a distant thing. Not, no, it's not at all. It's not distant whatsoever. So when you see these situations continuously happen and nothing is done, it's extremely frustrating. It's extremely disheartening. And you almost feel like a second class citizen in, in a country that people love to flaunt as being free, the land of the free. But it, it, it's not to certain demographics of people and specifically black people. We continuously have to fight this battle over and over and over again and make sure our voices are heard and make sure the people that have been killed by police brutality or racism are heard, you know, that they're heard. Um, it's just like, sometimes it's just very surreal to know that we have to still deal with these things in 2020, you know? Mm -hmm. um, the fact that George Floyd won't come back will never come back. And he left children, he left parents, he left a family. At some point, we're gonna go back, things will get back to normal and we will live what we think is a, a normal routine life. But George Floyd's family has to go for the rest of their lives, missing their son, their brother, their uncle, you know? And so I, I just really, really related to that. And I really, really, it really touched my spirit because, you know, I could be George Floyd. And the fact that he was able to navigate a place like Texas for as long as he did, a place that I've seen Confederate flags hung from driveways of homes on the back of pickup trucks. I've been called a nigger in school. Um, to see him navigate a place like that, but then still be murdered at the hands of police. And only one of those four officers have been arrested so far is, uh, it's a very, very sobering reality, to be honest. It's very, very sober. And and I think I think for me, like that's the that's like the the part that kind of kills me the most, and just like I can't get over. It's just like I could be George Floyd, my my future children could be George Floyd, you know, my dad could be George Floyd, my brother, my cousins could be George Floyd. Like it doesn't even apply to oh, you work at Complex, you know, you're a pro athlete. You're 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 a lawyer. You're a doctor. It literally can be anyone, and you don't even have to be doing anything. That's the thing that kills me the most. Yeah. It could just be someone looks at you different, and you get a phone call, and they call the police just because you're minding your own business. Just like Amy Cooper in Central yeah. Park, you could be minding your own business, and it just takes a one bad cop to just look at you funny and be like, "Okay, it's time to mess with him." And that could be the end of it. You don't have to do, be doing anything at all. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. This is very, very, very powerful stuff. And I really, really appreciate you guys speaking on this so openly with us. Um, Maurice, Maurice Peebles, uh, former deputy, deputy editor of Complex Sports, shared a Chris Rock uh, bit over the weekend and speaking of the bad cop things Zion, in the bit I think it was his most recent Netflix one Chris Rock was like how come we're allowed to have bad cops but like other industries that are just as important 
like airline pilots. Like, there's no bad airline pilots. Right. Like, why? Why are there bad cops? Like, if you have a bad airline pilot, you're <laughs> crashing into a fucking mountain. You know. And, yeah. and and like I thought that was like when you see and like so many so many white people love to, love to rationalize it. it's just a few bad apples like that that can't be the the reasoning or the justification for this anymore like that has gone way too far. A lot of times when you go into these situations and you see these police officers who are policing communities that they've never grown up in that they've never been a part of that they just seen from a distance and they choose to police those areas with aggression and we get fatal results, that's ridiculous. And those those officers need to be held to, they need to be held accountable. And mind you, I'm not the guy that sits there and says that all cops are bad. Um, I have friends that are police officers. I've had family members that are police officers. I know that there are certain police officers who are good, upstanding citizens and like and hold their job to high regard. But if you choose to be silent and complicit at those bad apples, all those bad police officers that continue to do harm you just as bad as them you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so and there's also the a- power structure that's innate in you know with with protection that goes down with, you know prosecution and and the and the frustration Bingo. of guys not being held accountable the way they should be so it's 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 an institutionalized issue that unfortunately even you know even if the power of the vote you know comes out strong in november um you know for you, for you, Zion, for you, Pierce, um, it's not going to change anytime soon. And that's really fucked up and that's really awful. And it's, it's, you know, I just, it's, you, yeah, you struggle for words as, as a white guy to like, you know, express sympathies and, and, and show empathy for what you guys go through. Cause I never can in a million years put myself in your shoes about how you have to look behind your shoulder and how, you know, I could do, I could do shit in the streets of New York city that you guys would never be able to do in a million years. And that's not right. Yeah. And it's never going to change. And that's the fucked up thing. Cap, think about it like this. It might be easier to get a job as a police officer in certain cities in America than it is to get a job at Complex. I don't think you're wrong. I, I really don't you know think you're wrong. I really don't think you're wrong at all. It's, you know, like you said, I, I have a cousin of mine who's in NYPD and obviously I love my cousin and, right. you know, but, you know, he's involved in a group right now that showed some deplorable fucking behavior this weekend with the right. you know the tree and the protesters but you know if i ever did something like you know joking around like if i was if i was smoking a joint on the streets of soho i would get my wrist slapped at 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 most by the cops most likely and for you for you zion and for you pierce unfortunately be a very different situation that could get really dangerous and escalate really quickly and that again is just it's sad and fucked up and and you know for those of us that are privileged and should acknowledge it you have to keep that in mind as we as we kind of wrap up here, not to cut anybody short, but I I, I think this has been a very very strong, informative discussion, and I'm so glad that I was able to listen to you guys speak because that's the most important thing right now, is is listening and understanding how we can, because change I think obviously we need to make big changes, and I think we all know what that is, but change also can happen at a small level, and it's something that you can do in your communities, and I think that's very important. The NBA is about to come back in July. Pierce, we talked about this going beyond a two-week thing. Like, I feel like when they come back, there should be something different or something Something should be changed. I, I think from, from that perspective, it's much more systemic and not just when it comes back, but going forward. Yeah. Um, for instance, like, like we mentioned earlier, we need diversity in the hierarchy of these leagues, whether it's social media, because I'm sure you can attest to this, a lot of these social media departments aren't very diverse. And we mm-hmm. see that in some of these statements that are coming out. Um, whether it's executives, scouts, head of basketball operations. Um, if I'm thinking just top of mind in the NBA, how many African-American or just black GMs are there? You got Masai Ujiri with Toronto. You have James Jones in Phoenix. Kobe, and is Kobe, that, is Kobe that, Altman in Cleveland. Kobe Altman in Cleveland. Is That's that three. it? Rose is, in, wanna, uh, Rose is in in Minnesota as a minority. Yeah, a minority. I don't want. Yeah, I don't want to forget anybody. But I, we, it's yeah. not that many. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't yeah. think we're leaving yeah. out. Too I mean, many technically, others. Scott Perry is, is GM of the of the Knicks, so he would qualify also, even though Leon Rose is not decision maker. But yeah, right. no. I mean, the point is, yeah, yeah it's so. a very small percentage, and it's even worse, you know, over in the NFL, and it's in yeah. Major League Baseball, a completely different story. Where you know, I think now it's like twelve percent of the players are black. So it's it's uh, yeah, diversity is an issue across the board. It's going to be it's going to be an issue in sports for probably several generations, and it's and you hope again the small steps can be taken but yeah it's 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 
I can only, again, I tried to put myself in you guys' shoes. I really can't. But uh, I can only imagine the frustration level is just through the roof at this point. All we're saying is this. If you're adamant, and I guess this is just for coaches, teams, players, if you're adamant about putting black athletes on the field amidst a global pandemic and you speak loudly about that, then you must speak loudly about the injustices facing those same players in their day-to-day lives. And if you're choosing not to speak up on that and you're choosing to remain silent, you're a coward. And that's just how I feel about that. I think that's a perfect way to uh, to kind of sum that up and kind of sum this up. I want to give a huge shout out to everybody who is out there protesting on the front lines. J.R. Smith out there on the front lines fucking doing, you know, someone tried to test that man. And he, and he, the, the, let me talk to you guys about that J.R. video real quick. Mm. It he seemed so concerned that he was going to be painted as like a villain for doing, for protecting his own property. Yeah. Did, 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 did you guys notice that as well? It just, it's for sure. like, it's, it seemed yeah. like, like he was like, I don't know, just yeah. because we know, we know what was going to come next. If we saw the video yeah. before his explanation, like, yeah. it's like, Oh, uh, the, he's going to get labeled with the black stereotypes. Oh, is a black man angered, angered by something. They're going to start drawing, creating their own narratives. So he had to keep it real, and I respect that because he definitely saved saved a lot of harm that would would have came uh, and a lot of destruction that would have came. Completely agree. Um, it's just a microcosm of what we've seen this weekend and what we see in society. The fact that you have a lot of people who are agitators who aren't even out there protesting for Black Lives Matter, but just uh, building on anarchy and destruction and just choosing to destroy things when we're trying to create peaceful protests that create dialogue about the injustices happening happening, excuse me, but when you incite violence and riots, then the whole narrative shifts. So I don't blame J.R. Smith for doing what he did because mm-hmm. it was uh, it was a lot of issues on, on multiple levels, what was going on. And uh, like Zion mentioned, you just sometimes, uh, black athletes in particular, they just fall into certain stereotypes. I think the biggest one with J.R. Smith is the fact that people perceive him to like Hennessy mm-hmm. and all these different <laughs> things. And the and guys he- come out repeatedly and say, I don't even drink Hennessy. So it's things like that where it's like, I can't blame him for coming out and having to mm-hmm. say that because we see what happens time and time again. I thought it was very weird. And maybe maybe it's me as a Cavs fan that everybody was quick to post the two-year anniversary of JR's oh. fuck up. <laughs> and, and maybe that's just me as a Cavs fan. You know I got to get my Cleveland references. But I thought that was not everything crazy. going on did we have to get the two-year anniversary of jr smith's fuck up on the on the feeds on sunday did we? well you could twist it around and say it's the two-year anniversary of lebron's greatest performance in the nba finals no one was no one was posting yeah. i like get that, that but buddy. i'm saying there's there's you know if you want to look at the positive side as as you know we can do that we can do that we can I'm do watching that, that highlight later on a 51 point triple double come on I can, never, I can never watch that game again in my life. that's good get dennis on <laughs> almost, the line that might be another stole. couch classics <laughs> that might be another couch classics yeah. get dennis on the line okay uh pierce zion we appreciate you guys so much for being as open as you guys were um Thank like you. i said i mean we we got zion on the pod every single week but pierce you have an open invitation whenever you want to come on appreciate and, you my uh, brother and talk with us uh you do amazing work Thank you. um Zion, you do okay work. I'm just fucking with you. You do, you do amazing work. I'm so proud of what I'm so, not to get too deep into the weeds, but I'm so proud of the angle that complex sports socials take takes just in general way before this, like Zion, like he said, Zion had a very clear route and direction that he wanted to take complex sports on socials. And I think that we reflect that on the edit side and the video side and everything. And he really set a standard for, what we try and do. And I appreciate you that for, from you, Zion, every single day. There was no complex sports social before Zion showed up. In fact, <laughs> Adam can attest to this. I was running a complex sports social Instagram for a couple of weeks. Yeah, <laughs> I had a brief stint too. So yeah, it's that like was we've the hardest job there was, we, we cycled. Yeah, we, we struggled for a little while to find the right answer. But yeah, Zion I posted is... one Randy Moss picture. <laughs> I felt so proud. I was like, I'm, I'm, I am good at this. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't miss my days running complex sports social. I don't it ain't easy. So Zion, my brother, thank you for just elevating our content, elevating our platform and and helping uh, complex sports become something of a a beast. And and, and you guys, too, Adam and and Chops, y'all are just as instrumental. So um, we'll just work on young Zion's chicken cooking. Hey, you know, we'll get there. What he posted Twitter was okay. It's a good stepping stone, good starting point. But yeah. we can we can take it up a few notches, pal. He's a first year quarterback, you know. You yeah. get a couple <laughs> Chef Boyarzy, you know we get we get right back to it. Chef yeah. Boyarzy, in, in, 
And to, to our listeners, come with a better game plan, pal. Bingo, we're good. You know, to, our, to our listeners, we will be back on our regular schedule Tuesdays uh, next week. If you didn't like this episode, like Pierce said earlier, you're probably uncomfortable for shit that you should be facing anyways. So, yep. no apologies from us. Um, I, I do want to say appreciate Pierce definitely for for everything he said this episode. This was definitely yes. something uh, hard oh, for me, you. hard you, for brother. me to take. Uh, definitely talk about like you probably hear in my voice like every time i talk about this i'm trembling so you know i'm glad he was here to like uh carry the, the load and uh really like push out the message that we need need to push but zion out. please understand that that's okay to have those emotions to have those feelings and i i've had those feelings um even just today just being real up and down with it so it's okay to feel those emotions it's okay to to not know what to say or not know what to do and if you need anything i'm here for you my brother you know that and uh, Adam and Chops, like I mentioned earlier, I'm just thankful that you didn't, um, not y'all, that y'all have done this before, but the fact that you let our voices be heard, you gave us a platform to speak and you did not silence our voices and you did not try to undermine what we're feeling at this moment. And for that, we're, uh, we're grateful for it. And, um, you know- You don't even, you don't even gotta say thank you, man, because it's something that we, that we just gotta do ourselves. There's no, there's no reason to thank us for doing what's right or what is needed right now. So. I am uh, very proud to, you know, be able to call you guys my colleagues and friends. Um, until next time, you know, this is Load Management Podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe, listen, rate, follow all of us on Twitter. Uh, and hopefully Couch Classics comes back later this summer. And we'll have Lamar Jackson on in a couple of weeks. Yeah, so hey. the, the Lamar episode is coming um, in a couple of weeks. So, you know, be, be on the lookout for that. Uh, we appreciate everybody. Like I said, if you didn't like this podcast, then that's on you. That's not on us. Till next time, everybody. Peace. Special thanks to our producer, Josh Dodd, our associate producer and sound engineer, Jasmine Plata, production manager, Chancel Correa, talent booker, Shanice Kelman, director of talent relations, Kristen Price, Harrell, manager of operations in LA, our man, Josh Dodd, senior director of operations, Jen Stewart. Very special shout out to my man, Donnie Kwok for running the whole damn thing around here. We'll see you next time.